Now, some of us may not realize it, but the church is the last line of defense, in a sense, to this thing of homosexuality or gay life. The church is the last line of defense, in a sense. And if the church can be broken down, which we are seeing some are doing, to accept it as a way of life by God, then we might always get ready to throw this book away and believe whatever we want to believe. Now, as Christians, we are to love all based on the very fact that you are what? Obedient. That is the conditional covenant. And usually you'll read it in the Bible when it says, if you do. And if you understand then, God will do what God says he will do based on that condition that you meet. Then there's the unconditional, where God has made a contract in a sense with himself, and you have nothing to do with it. Simplest one to look at is Noah with the rainbow in the sky. You have nothing to do with it. God has made a covenant with himself. He will never flood the earth again. He didn't say he wouldn't destroy us again, but it won't be by flood. (laughs) And oftentimes, we have made salvation, and we brought it down maybe so simple because we want it to be simple, that there is no responsibility upon us. And it is. And it is. Jesus says, if you love me, you need to take that word if and then ask yourself the question. Do you love him? If you love me, you'll keep my what? My commandments or my covenant with you. You'll be obedient to my covenant if you really love me. So throughout the Bible, we have this thing of covenant constantly. Because it's one of the ways in which God set forth how he's going to deal with humanity and with us. As I was reading with some of this, boy, um, this one writer brings out, God deals with a nation based on the obedience of a nation. And when a nation is not obedient, you begin to see in nature, things that begin to happen because now the earth itself is what Scripture says is groaning because of our sin. <laughs> Boy, I had to think on that one for a while. That we could cause our nation to groan because of our sin. And yet, that's a reality. Uh, can I get the screen on up? And that 
the whole process is that people will find themselves in difficult situations because they themselves have broken God's covenant. And it surprised me today how many people are saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, in the simplest form, it was God's mercy that woke you up this morning. The blessing goes beyond the mercy. Now, why a covenant with Israel? If you go before Abraham, you don't find any covenants. But after the flood, the understanding that it was just Noah's family. And when you look at just Noah's family, it multiplied and it even called them nations after a while. And then after Noah's family, we have the Tower of Baal. And the dispersing also. Even though they were in their tribals, a little nation, they found a way to work together to build a tower. And God comes down and he separates them and gives them different languages and so forth that they would not do what they were doing. Then the next picture we see is Abraham. Because somewhere between Noah and Abraham, there was a lostness of God's word and the person of God. People will very quickly forget God. A nation will very quickly forget God and what God has built up and man will begin to take credit himself for what only God himself could have done. The whole process that we think America is great because of man is foolishness. But yet that's how we often think. Why? Israel. When you look at biblical accounts, you will see that everything, every nation, every group of people had their own idols and worshiping those idols. Even Abram, who becomes Abraham, was called out of a family, out of a country, out of a nation that worshipped idols. And that's why it's accounted unto Abraham righteousness because of his faith. He believed God against all this idleness and false teaching. Man in himself will always set up something that he controls. Every idol is basically controlled by man. Why? It don't speak. It doesn't speak. The living God speaks. And the living God, catch this, 
will not be controlled. He will do the controlling. He will not be controlled. And the thing about an idol, those who make it really are the ones who control it. Now, why Israel? Come on here. The only real purpose of Israel is this relationship with God that reveals to the rest of the world a true God. That's Israel's main purpose. To show how God will interact with the people who worship him and are obedient unto him. That's Israel's purpose. Is to reveal God to the rest of the world. Israel. How did they survive a six-day war with many other countries coming against them? The only explanation is God. How did Israel come back into the land where they were once fully in charge of? Only the Lord. God has tied, and you'll hear me say this again, the proof of his existence with Israel. And Israel could not exist without God. So what you look at when you see the Jewish religion, in a sense, you are seeing a relationship of a true God to real people. And God is the one who brings this about. Now, the only thing special concerning Israel is their worship and their relationship with the one true God. There was nothing really special about Israel. Uh, sometimes you'll hear people with the argument, well, why Israel? Why, why didn't he choose some other group? Why didn't he do this? Why, why? If you read what the other nations were doing, even when he was forming Israel, none of them were worshiping the true God. And God starts this off with one man called Abram and changes his name to Abraham. Now, all the nations after the flood, as I've said, boy, they were worshiping idols. And every country, every group of people had their idols, and their idols would somewhat lead them out to war, and their idols would give them the power to conquer, and their idols would do this or do that. But none 
had the true God as their God. And the question you have to ask then is this. From the witness of Noah and what Noah had experienced with God, seeing the flood, seeing God put his family in the ark, seeing God call the animals to the ark, to see the water above the highest mountain on earth. I've been in mountains in Ecuador where the people live with raincoats on 24 hours because they live in the clouds and the mist is there constantly. And yet he sees this, but it doesn't take too many generations before the people dispel the belief in a living God. Our country is well on its way of dispelling the reality of a living God. And we haven't seen anything yet, but we're on our way. And even when you talk with your children, it's an iffy thing. He is, but he isn't. (laughs) He may be, he may not be. And I want you to be do something. You sit down with your children and, and you make it as clear as possible that God exists. God is. Now, you may be doing your religious thing. And a lot of religious people are going to go to hell. Because religion doesn't save you. Jesus does. And People need to know that. And you really want your children to know that. Now, Israel's purpose, as I said, from Noah to Abraham, there was a lostness of God. Israel's purpose is to conserve the truth about God. To be a witness of the truth about the living God. That God's word would not dissipate or evaporate from the land. And that is one of the main purposes of a Christian. That God's word will not disappear in our lifetime, in our generation. And we do our job, we're passing it down from one generation to another generation to another generation. And if we don't do that, then God's word, in a sense, dissipates, it evaporates, it has no meaning. And when publishing houses are closing up, you're going to find it more difficult to find a Bible that you could say is your Bible, not electronic device, but the printed word. And that was Israel's purpose, was to conserve the truth of God and allow all the nations around them to know this truth. Now, why this covenant with Israel? 
Go to Genesis because what I want you to see is this. God is the one who raises up Israel, not man. God is the one who names it. God is the one who nurtures. God is the one who keeps her. Is God. So in Genesis 35, I better get over there. You're going to hear the Lord speaking to Jacob. And he does something with Jacob. And he does it over in Genesis 32 also. But in 35, verse 9, he says, After Jacob returned from Pandem Aram, God appeared to him again. And, and, and the scripture emphasizes again. So Jacob has been having different type of little meetings with who? With God. Again and again and again. Not just one time, but again and again and again. And it says, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. That's the name your father gave you. That's the name Isaac named you, Jacob. That's your, in a sense, your earthly name. That's what you're known by. Jacob is a grown man here. That is your name. But listen to what he says. But you will be no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. He named him Israel. That name did not come from an earthly man, did not come from his earthly father. That name came from who? From God. Israel. Israel. And sometimes we need to understand that God is at work in his strange little ways that we don't always understand. Go ahead over to chapter 32, just a page over in your Bibles most likely. Pick up in verse 27 with me. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's wrestling with God. The man asked him, what is your name? Look how Jacob replies. Jacob? (laughs) Because that's all he knew, his self by. Jacob. So he's speaking the truth. My name is Jacob. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God, which is the meaning of Israel, that you have strived with God. You struggled with God. Strange name, isn't it? But yet, historically, that's what we see of Israel. 
always this struggle with who? With God. And if we're honest with ourselves, guess what we struggle with? God. Struggling, obeying God. Struggling, following after God. Struggling, doing what God is asking us to do. Boy. Yeah, we find ourselves just like Israel. Always in that struggle. Sometime obeying, sometime not obeying. Repenting, praise God for repentance. Yeah. And getting back where we should be. And the whole process is that Israel is the work of God. Understand your Christianity. It is not so much you working at it on your own. It is you working with God because you are his workmanship. You are being fashioned and molded by him. You are working with him. If you're a Christian all by yourself, then you're not a Christian. But if you are a Christian who can identify that God is working in my life because he has promised that that good work that he has begun, he will continue it until we see Christ face to face and that God himself is working in us and Ephesians from chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10 will really explain that you are his workmanship. And he's working in your life. Just like he did in the life of Israel. That's why God chose him, because God is the one doing the work. And he separated him from all his idols, all his false errors and teaching, and began to grow him. But the amazing fact is this, Abraham believed him. There's a lot of so-called Christians that do not believe this Bible. Yet they say they're Christians. That's a contradictory within itself. You cannot be a Christian and not believe in this word. We have to come to a place where we surrender to it. Now, come on here. This thing wants to work a little slow here. Jacob's sons become known as the 12 sons of Israel. Take this into scripture. The patriarchs seem like they always start, stop, even though there's more, but it always stops with Jacob. And you've got to ask the question, why? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The covenant starts with who? Abraham. He's the father of who? Isaac. Isaac's the father of who? Jacob. Catch this now. Abraham's name was never changed to Israel. Isaac's name was never changed to Israel. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. 
stay with me in thought. And there's where you always stop at. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Why? Because now there's a transition that's going to take place. He becomes Israel, and his 12 sons become what? The nation of Israel. And then when you read in Scripture, what you will hear often is this here. The 12 sons of Israel. Well, Israel itself as a nation did not produce those 12 sons, but who? Jacob did. And then when you get over into the New Testament, in chapter 8, you're hearing the Pharisees as they argue with Jesus, and they say, we are the descendants of Abraham, and our father is Abraham, not Jacob, Abraham. And Abraham is known as the father of who? Israel. He's talking about the nation, not about Jacob. But the nation is the father of Israel. And you never hear in Scripture that Jacob is the father of Israel, the nation. It always goes all the way back to who? Abraham, because the covenant starts with Abraham, not with Jacob. Isaac and Jacob is only a continuation of the covenant that was made with Abraham. You staying with me? And they become those 12 tribes. Now, go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Because oftentimes the argument comes up, that Israel was chosen, what was so special about Israel. And again, nothing special about Israel other than that God designated. God is the one who raised them up. This is a God work, not a man work. This is not something about man. This is something about God. And we pick up in verse 6. He says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasure possession. Keep your finger here because we're coming right back to it. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter Chapter 2. Go to verse 9. I want to show you a similarity. The church is not Israel. Israel is not the church. But there is a similarity because God is doing a work. Jesus comes out of the tribe of Judah. Out of the one of the twelve tribes. It is with David that the promise is made that there will always be someone in his family who will sit on his throne, who is Jesus for eternity. It is through Jesus that we read about a new covenant that is coming. During the Last Supper, Jesus promised that there would be a new covenant. Now, look what has not changed, because this is what God expects. I don't care what time of the ages coming down through the year, 
This is what God expects from his people. It is not God. He is not the one that is unfaithful. It's us. And he says, but you are a chosen people. Is he talking to the Christians? You are a chosen people. A royal what? Priesthood. What's a priest? A servant. A servant of who? A servant of God. A royal priesthood. And look what he says. A holy nation. A people belonging to who? To God. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to mom and dad in a sense. You belong to God. Every child will grow up and one day you'll be in the driveway and this is what you'll be doing to each other. But we never do that with God. We may do it, but God never does it to us. He's with us forever. And he says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He called you out of darkness. He didn't call you out of Egypt, but he called you out of your ignorance. He called you out of your foolishness. He called you out of your disbelief. He called you into his marvelous light. He called Israel. He called Abraham and started a covenant with him that brings about Israel. Go back. Get into verse 7 with me. Then the Lord did not set his affections on you and choose you because you were more numerous. God didn't worry about your numbers and understand something. Numbers meant strength. Numbers meant power. Numbers meant the ability to rule. The bigger army you had, the bigger nation you possessed, the more that you had under your control, the more power you possessed. And the Lord says, you were the fewest. So God takes the fewest to show himself great among those who already think they're great. God's going to show himself great by defeating those with great numbers more than Israel that Israel would be able to defeat. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because this is life for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Is it 2? Chapter 1, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Come down into verse 20 with me. I want you to read with me because, see, if I want to show myself great today, we want the largest numbers. People consider themselves great by how many people follow after them. So in verse 20 he says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish 
the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Isn't that something? The more knowledge we gain sometimes, the further we walk away from the Lord. A gentleman was visiting with us last week. He was a professor at Akron U. And after my message, we played football together, just to let you know how, how we knew each other. We played football together and everything at Howard Vocational High School. And um, he came up to me after. He said, God, you had some good points in that message. And he said, but, you know, I am whole. Uh, I have my finances in order. I have this in order and that in order. And I said, called him by name, how is your spiritual life? And everything dropped out. Because that's the most important thing. Your spiritual life. Your relationship with Jesus. That's what's most important. Not all this other stuff. You can have it all together in many other areas. But if you're not having a good relationship with Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. And he goes on, he says, God the world through his wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Through what? The foolishness. Could you imagine what the other nations were saying? They may have been saying too, why would somebody choose them? They're the fewest. They don't have no army. They have no king to lead them. They have no weapons. They have no money. They have nothing. And yet God chooses them. Now, God is faithful in keeping his covenant. And we need to understand that. You guys get in position. We talked about John. What I want you to see is this. Because God chooses Israel, and we're close with this, does that mean God is against all others? And that's sometimes what we leave with. And some people even teach that. That, that God was against all other, other than those that he chose. Go to Isaiah 19. You can read the whole chapter of 19. But I want to hit just the last few verses, 23 through 25. Because, see, God called Israel that Israel might be a light to us who were called the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles and who Israel was to witness to and allow us to see a real relationship between God and humanity. In 23 he says, In the day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, 
to Assyria will go to the Egyptians and the Egyptians to Assyria. Now those two countries would have never been together. But God says, in a day, this is going to happen. But it's going to happen because of the covenant back with Abraham, who would be the father of many nations. The Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship what? Together. In the day, Israel will be the third along with Egypt and Assyria. A blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be who? Oh, no, no, Lord. You don't know the history of Egypt. We don't know God's plan of calling all nations and all people to himself. Will blessed be Egypt, my people. Oh, you're going to call them your people? Now, Lord, you're taking this too far. No, he calls them his people. Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. Israel is chosen by God because God raises up Israel. We'll continue next week to really see that purpose of raising them up and how they themselves are to really be a witness to the Gentiles and to us, even in this day. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, as we go through this area of the covenants, that you would give us understanding, that we can truly understand the covenant we have with you in Jesus Christ and the salvation that is a covenant with you. And Lord, would you work in our lives? Would you help us to explore? Would you help us to study? Would you help us to learn that we might walk uprightly with you and that we might be able to teach others? Lord, minister to us and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.